Hear our scripture for this morning that comes from the book of Job, chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. We're going to put the words on the screen so you can follow along as I read aloud. These are the words of God to and through Job. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Halloween is over, so it must be Christmas time, apparently. Just go into any store if you want proof. Poor Thanksgiving. Like, just gets lost in there somewhere, like the middle child of the holidays. We just skip right from Halloween to Christmas. But you know, it's it's a not-so-well-kept secret that the holiday season, wintertime, while it's generally considered to be festive and celebratory, that this time of the year can actually be difficult, sad for many people. Emotionally, spiritually, painful. You know, add to that just the general rise in anxiety and stress in our world. Increased reports of experiencing depression, attempts at suicide... especially among young people. And then just the general tension that exists in our world, even in the church. It seems like so many people are on edge, are checked out. It's one of the reasons that Pastor Stacy and I have planned for January a series of sermons about health and wellness as a function of our faith. But acknowledging that this is where we're at for many people and for this time of year and this season, maybe it's appropriate that one of the lectionary texts, the recommended scripture readings, for this week comes from the book of Job. I don't know how familiar you are with Job, but just as a piece of literature, it's, it's unique, interesting in a few ways. One of which is our best scholars and theologians really have no idea when it was written. There's a broad range of opinions about that. A lot of times in the Bible, in the books of the Bible, there's some clues internally 
you know, this king was reigning at this time when this was written, or it happened in this year of this season, or, but none of that in Job. We also don't know who wrote it. Again, a lot of times in the Bible, there's clues in the book, you know, written by someone or written for someone, or the style of writing matches somebody else's, and so that we've been able to, no idea who wrote Job. Don't know when it was written, don't know who wrote it. It's actually also just as an archetype of a story, it's one that can be found in other places in literature and in history and in other traditions besides Judaism and Christianity, even some that predate our faith. There's a lot about the story of Job, the book of Job, that is interesting, even mysterious, and in some way universal. It exists beyond time, beyond any one person's story or experience. There's a way in which the story of Job is the story of all of us. Something else that makes the story of Job very interesting is the nuanced theology of suffering and evil that we find in this story. Fancy term for that would be theodicy, our, our theology around evil and suffering. This nuanced theodicy that you find if you read the book was way ahead of its time. Maybe even today is way ahead of our time. In a sense, is exist outside of time. And so if you know the story of Job, at least in the Bible, the story of Job opens talking about how Job had a good life. Plenty of family. Plenty of possessions, livestock. He was provided for. And I mean, nothing's ever perfect, right? I mean, no doubt that He had work to do and issues to deal with. But generally speaking, Job was living a good life. And then, the story goes that God was having a conversation with some of the spirits, the angels, and one in particular, the Satan, the tempter, approaches God. And they have a conversation, God and the Satan, about Job. I had fun this week just for a minute trying to envision what a conversation between God and the Satan looked like as they're talking about Job. The closest I could come was Charlie Daniels, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I don't know. That's just, I guess, the way I think. But, but there's God and the Satan talking about Job. And God says, have you considered my servant Job and his faithfulness? And the Satan says... Oh, he's just faithful because he's hashtag blessed. Take away all of that blessing. Take away everything that he's got and then see how faithful he is. And so most of the book of Job is about Job's life of suffering from that point on. As everything that he has, everything that has meaning to him, one by one, is taken away from him by the Satan. 
his possessions, his livestock, his family, his home, his physical health, all of it stripped away. And then we hear Job lamenting about this in conversations with some of his friends, three in particular who are named in the story. And Job has more than one conversation with each of them about the nature of his circumstances and his pain and his suffering. And then in the scripture that we read just a moment ago, we come to a turning point in Job's life. But leading up to that turning point, in fact, the scriptures we read are part of one of those conversations. Leading up to that turning point, we find a very vulnerable and honest confession from someone who is faithful to God as far as he can tell and as far as his beliefs help him to understand and practice. And yet everything in his life systematically has gone wrong. And he's lost the most important and meaningful people and things. And so he's sharing that. He's talking about that. He's being open about his hurt. His pain. The brokenness that he feels and is experiencing in his life. Now, some would read that and say, well, he's just complaining. But I don't know that that's a fair reading of what is happening in Job in this story. I don't know that it's complaining as much as it is catharsis. That it's in his openness about his struggle, his hurt about what's going on in his life, what's happening around him and to him and in him. It's in this process that he comes to this turning point. In other words, there's a lot of value in being honest and open about the pain in our lives, about the things that we struggle with, sharing them with family, friends, Sunday school class members, a therapist or a counselor, I'm going to tell you, my therapist has been invaluable for me over the last few months as I've been dealing personally, going through the divorce and co-parenting. He's helped me see things and frame things in ways that I don't know I would have been able to otherwise. And so please, if, if you have any sense of stigma for yourself or shame that there's something wrong with seeing a counselor or a therapist. Hear me say that's not the case. They are gifts from God. As are medications, by the way, if there's a chemical imbalance in me and you, the fact that there is something that we can take that will help balance that out, please don't see that as a lack of faith. Maybe see that as a gift from God. That you can have life and have it more fully. Because see, it's when Job is open and honest and vulnerable about these painful places in his life, about where he struggles. And in his conversations with his friends about it, which, by the way, if you read the story, 
they didn't always have the best advice for Job. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've been dealing with something, struggling, and so you opened up to somebody, and what you got back from them may not have been the most helpful comment or observation or opinion or instruction. Because what Job is going through is he's looking at his life and he's saying, I believe to the best of my ability I've been faithful to God. And yet look what has happened to me. What is wrong with me? Where did I go wrong? Where have I sinned against God? Where have I offended you, God? And, and then he's got friends who are going, yeah, you obviously did. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened to you if there wasn't something wrong with you. You need to figure out what's wrong with you. And then he says, I think I've been faithful. I, God, what's wrong with you? Why, God, have you punished me this way? Why are you doing this to me? And his friends go, yeah, there's, there's something wrong here. God's punishing you. God, or God has taken his favor away from you. You need to figure out why that has happened to you. And there Job is lamenting in his pain, trying to figure out what's wrong with him. What did he do wrong? What's wrong with his relationship with God? Why does God not love him, provide for him? Why is God punishing him? And it's in the midst of that, call it a moment of clarity, call it the presence of the Holy Spirit, that Job says in the scripture that we just read, wait a minute. I need to write this down. What I'm about to say, what I have found, I need to write this down. Oh, that my words would be written down. Oh, that they would be written down in a book. In case you don't know what books are, they were like the things that people used to read, that paper in them and words written on them. These, these words, this thought that I have, this inspiration needs to be recorded so that I never forget it, so that it is never forgotten. He says, you know, I need to carve it in rock with lead. I need to engrave this somewhere so that it will always be with me. Have you ever had a moment like that? An experience, a thought, a revelation, a moment of clarity where you're like, I need to write this down. There have been seasons in my life where I've had a journal and kept thoughts, records of things I've prayed, things I've experienced and heard from God. Have you ever kept a journal like that or, or written things down or made notes of them? Even something so significant that you wanted to engrave it so that it would always be there? I have a friend who's done that with tattoos that has had a, a couple of experiences in her life and in her faith that have been meaningful to her, and so she's marked them on herself with tattoos as a way that she would always remember and always be reminded of where she experienced God in that moment. And Job said, i got to write this down. And what was the thing that he wanted to write down and grave into the rock with lead? It was, my Redeemer lives. Made me think of the song by Nicole C. Mullen called Redeemer. I don't know if you are familiar with that song. If you're not, I highly encourage you to go and find it and listen to it this week. 
Redeemer by Nicole C. Mullen. When I looked it up, I realized it it was released in the year 2000. I remember it like it was yesterday. That was 19 years ago. Funny how music has a way of being like that for us. I also read an article in the Business Insider that most people stop listening to any new music by age 30. Most of the music that we listen to for our lives, we found and heard and fell in love with and discovered by age 30, and it's just sort of stuck with us. Which may be why that Nicole C. Mullen song seems like it was yesterday for me, and it was 19 years ago. But it's a beautiful song taken from the book of Job, if you read the lyrics of that song, if you listen to it. This is one of the things that she says in the song. The very same God that spins things in orbit, runs to the weary, the worn, and the weak. And the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken, they conquered death to bring me victory. Now I know my Redeemer lives. Ah, it makes me want to sing it. But nobody wants that. It's a powerful song about our Redeemer and the fact, just like Job, realized in that moment, my Redeemer is alive and well. Even in the midst of all that I'm going through and dealing with, what Job said is my Redeemer lives. Even if all of my flesh, he's referring to the fact that even his health was being taken from him, even if all of my flesh is gone, when I get to the bottom and can't sink any lower, I know that in that moment my Redeemer is alive and will meet me there and be with me. Even to the end of my flesh, then I will see God. And he will stand above and upon the earth, upon it all. And I will know that my Redeemer lives. In that moment, all that Job had gone through and wrestled with and thought about and struggled over about himself and his worthiness or lack thereof, all that he possibly could have done wrong or what was wrong with him, the consequences and circumstances of his life that he wanted to blame himself for or blame God for and try to figure out how to solve it and fix it. In that turning point moment for Job, he realized in the midst of it all, my Redeemer lives. And I will see him with my eyes. And he will stand by my side, on my side, I belong to God, even now, and God belongs to me. Brothers and sisters, your Redeemer lives, and His name is Jesus Christ. And He stands upon it all and above it all for you and for me and for all of us everywhere. About a month ago, we had a guest preacher, Diana Butler Bass, and she gave a lecture in the evening based largely out of her book, Christianity After Religion. And so Wednesday nights, I've been leading a book discussion about that. This Wednesday's our last one. But this past Wednesday, in one of the sections of the book, she talks about the ways that we experience and move through and grow in our faith, and she names belonging as one of those ways. That inside of all of us, we have a need, a desire to belong. 
I don't know if you remember when I was sharing with you the results of that poll we did in worship. Last week I shared the results. And one of the things that came up over and over again as a need in our community that this church could meet was the need for belonging. To have a place to belong for anybody and everybody, no matter what. And in her book, Diana Butler Bass says, belonging is the basic need where we all begin. And she names that where we all belong, every one of us, first and foremost, at the foundation of who we are, we belong to God. You belong to God. You belong with God. We all do. And, and in the discussion, somebody in the room shared a story about uh, a sermon that had been heard and a painting that was referred to. And, and he didn't know when he was sharing the story that I'd actually had the same exact experience. And, and heard the same sermon and seen the same painting. It's this one. And it's a painting of Daniel in the lion's den. And what you'll notice in the painting, and this is what we were talking about in the book discussion, is that even though the lions are circling around Daniel, and you know, if you remember the story, they were hungry, ready to eat. And there's Daniel in the pit of the den with the lions circling around him. And where's his attention, though? Yeah, he's not, he's, not looking, he's not looking at the lions. His eyes are heavenward. It's as if in that moment Daniel's saying the same thing that Job is saying, that Nicole Mullen is saying, and by the power of the Spirit of God that you and I are saying now and in this season, my Redeemer lives. And I will see him. And he will be by my side. I will see him with my own eyes, not somebody else's. I will know the experience of the power and the presence of the one who can redeem and restore me and my life and this situation and this mess. Even in the midst of all that is going on around me, all that has happened to me, all the bad advice I'm getting from my friends, even in the midst of all of that, the one who will and does redeem is alive in my life. Amen? My Redeemer lives. And He will be on my side, Job says. Which may be the sweetest and most poignant part of this whole story of Job's life. Is that Job never knew that all along that conversation that was being had between God and the Satan, Job never knew all along that God had complete and ultimate faith in Him. Consider my servant, Job, and his faithfulness. Sometimes it can be a struggle to have faith in God. Sometimes it can be that much more of a struggle To know that God has faith in you. And that your Redeemer is alive and well and with you. Restoring you even in the midst of the worst of it. And that's the work of Jesus. For every one of us and we all belong to him. And if you read the rest of the story of Job, you see Job has a conversation with God that's both humbling and uplifting 
as God reminds Job who put the stars in place, who told the sea where to stop. As God reminds Job, I've got you. And God redeems and restores Job's life. Even uses Job to bring restoration and forgiveness to those friends who had been giving him so much grief. And in the story of Job, we find the nuance of life with God in the midst of suffering and evil. That it's often not a result of what you've done. But things happen in life and we all go through it. And it's often not punishment from God or God's neglect of you or me. And we see that the tempter works through that and in those times and situations to try to convince us that it is to separate us from our faith and love in God. And yet in the midst of it, we know our Redeemer lives. So as we head into this season, And we're mindful of one another. A season that is full of celebration and festivity, but at the same time can be difficult in a struggle. Can we be mindful for ourselves and for one another that our Redeemer lives? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing our last hymn. God of the Ages, hymn number 698. As you stand in a minute and sing those words, I invite you to hear them for yourself. Your God, your Redeemer is the God of the Ages. And I also want to invite you, if you're looking for a community of faith where you can live that out together with other people, to consider Shambly Methodist Church as that place, that community for you. If there's something going on in your life or in the lives of somebody you love or the people around you and you want to take a moment and pray for them as we sing, please know this altar rail is open. If you want to come and kneel at the rail before the cross and pray, you're invited to do that. However it is that God is moving in your heart and your spirit today, I invite you as we sing to respond. Would you stand and we'll sing hymn number 698, God of the Ages.